Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, New Community Church. It is so good to see each and every one of you here this morning. And if you're our guest, I want to start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And if I haven't got a chance to personally meet you yet, thanks for being here this morning. We're so excited that you're joining with us. And this is the second week of our series called Forgotten God. And before I jump into the message, I just want to do something this morning. I have the privilege of having my parents, Angel and Becky Escamilla, right here with us in service this morning. And... If you think I am an awesome person, it's because of them. If you don't like me, it's probably my own fault. Nothing to do with them because they are pretty amazing. They are pastors of a Spanish congregation. They help out with the Spanish congregation right outside of Chicago, Illinois, in Naperville. And they had a chance to sneak down this week and spend a little bit of time with the grandkids. So we are excited to have them here this morning. And it's our second week of this series called Forgotten God. And in this series, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, and the role that he plays inside of our life, what it is that he's been given to us for. And last week we talked about this. Why is the Holy Spirit oftentimes misunderstood? Why is it confusing? And, and there's a lot of even controversial around the Holy Spirit's work inside of our life. And we started by just kind of this visual illustration of talking of who the Holy Spirit is. That, you know, in, in the Christian world, as we read the Bible, we don't worship three gods. We worship one. And as we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, it's not three gods. And we had water and ice and steam up here. And we talked about how they're made up of the same substance, H2O, and they're just in different forms. And that's how it is with God, that God has demonstrated himself in the personhood of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But they are co-eternal. They're um, co-substantial. They're made of the same substance. And this is what we believe. And we believe that God has given us his Spirit to work inside of our lives every single day. That if you're a believer, if you're someone who follows God, you're a follower of Christ, that God has placed his spirit inside of you as a covenant, as a seal, that you belong to him and he's working in us. And so last week we talked about what is the purpose of God's spirit. His purpose is he's been given to us to remind us of the words that Jesus said. So when you're at work, when you're in your home, whenever you're in that moment, it's God's spirit that brings that scripture to your mind so that you're continually living and becoming more like Christ. He also produces in us righteousness. He's working in us to convict of sin and to work in those around us that the righteousness of God is produced in our life and in others. And so every single day this week, we've been doing something together as a church and we're going to do it again this morning. We've been praying for God's spirit to work inside of us. And so let's pray this together, and we're just going to take a moment right here. It's going to be up on the screens, and we're just going to pray this prayer together that God's Spirit would work in us. So let's say this together. God, help me not forget your Spirit today. Lead me, guide me, and give me power to live for you. Cultivate your Spirit in me so I'm more like Christ to those around me. I'm asking you to fill every moment of my day today. 
And that's our prayer, church, that God's spirit would fill us up every single day that we're not living in our own power, in our own strength, but we're living with the work of the spirit inside of us, moving and working as he wants to. And so today we're going to continue talking about this, about God's spirit, not allowing him to be forgotten in our life, but allowing him to work on a daily basis. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you this morning to open up to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start reading at verse 22. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay, because there's a Bible in the seat in front of you. It may be one or two seats over, but I want you to take that Bible out, and in that Bible, you can turn to page 567. And if you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to take that home with you. That's our gift to you. Because we believe that the word of God changes us and it transforms us. And so we want to open it up every day and see what it is that God is wanting to speak to us. So in Galatians chapter 5, 22, once you have that, just hold that for one second. I want to talk about what's taking place in this book. In this book of Galatians, it's written by a person named Paul. You may have heard that name before. Paul was an apostle. He was a follower of Christ. And he started off as a young man named Saul. And as a young man, he persecuted the church. He imprisoned and he killed Christians. And he thought he was doing God a favor as he did this. He thought he was doing something good as he threw Christians in prison or as he killed them. And all of a sudden, one day as he's traveling to another town, God gets a hold of him. He speaks to him from heaven. Paul sees this light and God radically transforms Paul or or Saul and he changes him into Paul and he makes him new. And all of a sudden, his mission changes from trying to stop the church and trying to stop Christianity to becoming someone who spreads the gospel. So Paul begins to travel from city to city, sharing the gospel. And as people come to faith in Christ, as they begin to believe, they form churches. Groups of people come together. These churches are formed. And this is a letter that's written to one of those churches, a church in Galatia. In Galatia had received the word of God. Paul was there. They begin to accept that. They, they believe in faith in God and they're saved and they're changed and transformed. And then Paul leaves to go to another city. And when he does that, Jewish leaders come into that, into that church, into that group of believers right there. And they begin to tell them, hey, I know that Paul told you it's about grace. I know he said it's about the work of the Spirit. And that's kind of true, but there's something else that you're missing. If you really want to be a Christian, if you really want to follow God, there's all of these laws and rules that you have to follow. God has this long list of stuff that you have to do if you really want to be saved. And so Paul is writing this letter back to the church in response to that. And he's encouraging them, hey, don't believe these lies, these people that have snuck in and they're telling you this. How were you saved? You were saved only by God's grace. You were not saved by your works or what you could do. You were saved by faith in God and the work of his spirit. And in the middle of this book, he says that. He says, hey, someone's trying to trick you. Someone's trying to lie to you. After starting with the spirit, are you now going to rely on your flesh? Are you now going to try to do this on your own, in your own strength? And so in Galatians chapter 5, Paul lists out just a few verses before verse 22. This is what happens when we rely on the flesh. Sexual immorality, idolatry, all of these things, this sinful nature comes out when we try to do it on our own. We mess up, you guys. But if we allow God's spirit to work in us, God to produce his fruit inside of us, we see something very different in our life. So Paul's encouraging them, allow God's spirit to work in you. So Galatians chapter 5, 22, this is what Paul is reminding the church. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's what Paul is writing to the church. It's this reminder, hey, you didn't start out in the flesh. When you came to Christ, it took the Spirit of God drawing you, working inside of you, moving inside of you. That's what produced faith in your life. And if you will allow the Spirit to continually come in your life and fill you up every day, He's going to produce something in your life. He's going to produce these things, love, joy, peace, patience. And he goes on, this is the fruit of the Spirit, God working inside of you. And he says that, keep in step with the Spirit. Allow God's Spirit to constantly work inside of your life. So I began to think about this illustration, this analogy that Paul is giving us, that when God's Spirit is inside of you, there is fruit that is produced. There's something that happens inside of you. And I began to think about that. What, is, what happens with fruit? How does it grow? What's take, what takes place? What stops fruit from growing? And, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes this morning, because this is an important thought right here. As Paul is talking about fruit, fruit cannot be forced. Fruit can't be forced, you guys. If you have the right things in your life, it will naturally grow, right? So we have up here a lime tree. I know you guys can't see this, but there's actually a lime right there, okay, on this tree. It's growing. It's in this. And so if you took this home today, if we gave this to one of you guys, you went in your backyard or wherever, or maybe even if you kept it in here, I don't know how large it'll grow, and and you put this in the right place, what's going to happen? What's going to grow on this tree? Limes, good. It's not a trick question, okay? You are absolutely right. Limes are going to grow on this tree. As long as you do a few things, as long as you give it the proper water, you give it the right amount of sunlight, um, if it takes fertilizer, whatever it is, it gets the right nutrients and the right ingredients, limes are going to grow, okay? You're not going to one day walk outside if you've planted it in your front yard and see the tree doing this, Okay? It's not going to have to force fruit to come out, okay? It's not going to be struggling. It's not going to be this strong effort. You're not going to hear it out there, ah, trying to force fruit out. It's not going to happen, you guys, because fruit is the natural process. Limes are the natural process of this lime tree. As long as it gets put in the right environment, fruit is going to grow. It's the natural process that's going to take place. And Paul's reminding the church in Galatia here, he's writing to this church, helping them understand, hey, as long as you're placing God's spirit in your life, as long as you're not trying to do this on your own, you place yourself in the right environment, you allow God's spirit to fill you every single day, these things are going to be produced in your life. You're not going to have to force it, church. You're not going to have to struggle against it. It's, it's not going to be like that. God's fruit, God's spirit is naturally going to produce these characteristics in your life. So let me pause here because this is what happens. Many times we come to Christ. We start to follow Jesus. And we look at our life and we say, wait a minute, I'm missing love. Or maybe I understand patience, but I don't have peace. I don't have self-control in my life. And we begin to question our identity. You guys, that is a lie of the enemy. That's the enemy wanting to lie to you. Because you don't have fruit and therefore you are saved that's not what this is. You can't work for salvation. Paul's already told him, how did you get saved? Remember, it's only the grace of God. It's only the work of Christ on the cross. So this isn't a question of identity. It's not, God, am I missing your fruit and therefore maybe I'm not saved? No, that's the work of the enemy wanting to place doubt in your mind. Hey, you're not really a follower. What it may be a question is, what's the conditions in your life? 
You've received God's salvation. You've received his grace, not because you worked for it, not because you were good enough to earn it. No, it's simply the act of the grace of God and the work of his spirit in your life. But is your life in the right conditions? Because fruit isn't forced. It's naturally produced. It will grow whenever you place it in the right environment. So we have to start to look at our life. If the fruit isn't there, if I'm living my life and I'm a follower of Christ, I'm a believer, what are the conditions I've placed around my life? Church, are you daily inviting God's spirit into your life to work inside of you? Or are you trying to do this on your own, in your own strength, in your own efforts? Okay, God, I did that on Sunday, and yes, I prayed that prayer with Pastor Aaron and the rest of the church, but but it's the middle of the week, God, and I don't have time. Are you trying to do this in your own efforts and in your own strength? Because it's not going to work. Paul says, naturally, we will produce things of the sinful nature. But if you're a follower of Christ, you've crucified, you've died to all of those wants and desires that you have, and now you are living in the power of the Spirit. What's the condition of your life, church? I listen to a lot of podcasts. I talk about it sometimes um, in my Sunday messages. And there's a podcast that I think my good friend Adam turned me on to, and it's called Criminal. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it's talking about crimes, and I love it, okay? So it's these interesting things, crimes that happen and how they solve them and different things. And a a few episodes ago, they talked about a crime that happened right here in Texas. And it was in Austin, Texas, right outside of the Capitol. I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's this beautiful tree called the Treaty Tree. It's hard to say there. The Treaty Tree. And it's this 500-year-old beautiful tree. And it's kind of has a deep history in the history of Texas, and so a lot of people go to it and take pictures in front of it, and it's out there. It's always grown. It's always been alive, but they started to notice a while back that it was dying. They couldn't figure out why. So they bring in all of these scientists that study trees, all of this stuff, and they're looking at it, and they discovered that there was a disgruntled employee, I believe, of the government who was sneaking in at nighttime and dumping toxins around the tree. He was purposely trying to kill it. And it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't a sudden thing. But over time, slowly, the base of the tree, kind of where the roots were above the ground, you could see them. They were withering. They were decaying. They were becoming dead. And then it started to spread throughout the tree. See, the toxins that that guy laid obviously seeped into the soil. And the tree began to suck those things up. And it was a bad condition. And so now there's all of these efforts, there's all of these things that they're trying to do in this podcast they talked about to restore life to this tree. They're having to give it the right nutrients and make sure that it's not being poisoned anymore so that it can survive and so that it can live and other people can enjoy it. And it's like that in your life and in my life. See, you cannot place toxins inside of your life, things that are dangerous, things that are detrimental to your spiritual walk with God, and assume that you will survive and God's spirit will produce fruit in your life. See, it can't happen, church. And sometimes we want to believe that we can do that, that we can take in whatever we want to, and it's not going to affect us because God's spirit is there. No, if you don't place that tree in the right condition, if you don't place your life in the right condition, it is going to die, and it's going to wither, and God's fruit is not going to be produced in your life. It's not a question of salvation. It's a question of the condition of your life, church. What are you placing inside of yourself? What are you placing inside of your life? And so as we look at this, As we think about those things inside of us, we have to ask that question, God, what is it that you're doing inside of me? And so church, there may be toxins that you're placing inside of yourself. If you're not careful what you're putting into your life, 
the music that you listen to, the, the media that you take in, the people that you're around, it can be negative influences on you and it is going to change you. It's gonna allow God's spirit to not be able to produce fruit, but other things are going to be produced in your life if you're simply constantly taking those things in. And it's not a balancing act. Sometimes we think it is. Like, oh, I watched that thing I probably shouldn't have for 30 minutes, so now I'm gonna pray for 30 minutes. Or I was on Facebook and I was reading all of this negative stuff, so now if I just read my Bible for 30 minutes, I'm gonna be fine. No, cut out the toxins, church. Don't try to balance them. Cut them out of your life because they're killing you and they're killing the fruit of God inside of your life. And what we do many times is we do this, well, Aaron, is that gonna send me to hell? Like, am I not gonna make it into heaven? Is that what you're saying? If I watch TV or if I watch movies, that's bad? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Please do not leave thinking any of that. What I am saying is if that stuff is toxic for your life, it's gonna stop the fruit of the spirit inside of you. And I want you to hear this, church. Your goal here in this world, your goal on this earth should not be just to make it to heaven. Your goal here on this earth should be to be like Jesus. Your goal should be to be like Jesus every single day, that his spirit is working inside of you. This is what we're striving for. This is what Paul is reminding the church. It's not simply getting by. It's not simply kind of skating into heaven and just making it in barely. No, this is a change that God wants to do inside of us. His spirit at work inside of you. Why? To change you so that every day you look more and more like Jesus the God who created you, the God who made you. That's what God's spirit is doing inside of our life. It's producing that in us. You guys, fruit does not have to be forced. But if you put your life in the right environment, in the right conditions, it's gonna naturally grow. And what is this fruit? What is it that Paul is encouraging us that should be produced in our life? You can read it here if you still have your Bibles open. The fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Paul's saying there's no law against this. This is what Christ is producing in us. This is what his spirit is producing and cultivating inside of our life. Now, I don't want you to panic. I'm not going to preach through each of these, okay? We would be here a very long time this morning. But I want to highlight a few of these. But this is what I want to encourage you to do, church. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer, these things should be present in your life. We should study these things. We should know what the scripture says about these things. And so I want to encourage you this week, there's seven of these. This is perfect. Every single day, open up your Bible. Open up your version on your smartphone or go to the internet and just type in Bible verses about joy. God, what does your word say about joy in my life? God, what does your word say about patience or goodness or any of those things, gentleness, and just type that in, begin to search it, and begin to read God's scripture about what he says in our life, that these are things that the spirit of God should produce. So if this is important, if this is what God is doing in our life, we should go into the scripture and say, God, we want more of that inside of us. We want to know what it is that you're saying um, to us about those things, about the fruit in our life. So I want to challenge you to do this, but I want to highlight just a few of these very quickly this morning. I want us to look at the second one there, joy. Joy being present in our life. God's spirit producing joy. You can write these down and um, look at them later. But Psalms chapter 16, verse 11 says this. The psalmist wrote, you make known to me the path of life. 
For in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Habakkuk 3.18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. What is joy? Joy is the confidence that everything will ultimately be all right and the determined choice to praise God in the midst of my situation. Whatever you're going through. See, being happy just means I'm delighted in the moment. Everything's going good. Everything's working out. And so there's happiness in my life. But joy goes beyond that. Joy goes deeper inside of our life. It's this confidence that everything will ultimately be all right because God is in control. And so I praise him, even in the midst of difficult situations, even when things are going rough at your job, even when you're having problems in your relationships, you choose to praise God because you know that he's working in spite of that. You know that he's working in the midst of your situation, even when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel yet. I'm reminded in the book of Acts about Paul, the person who wrote this letter in, to the Galatians, that he's there with one of his friends named Silas. They're in a different town in Philippi. They've been chained up for preaching the gospel, for sharing God's salvation with other people. They're in prison. They're in this dark dungeon, and it's the middle of the night, and they're in shackles, and they begin to sing praises to God. They begin to declare God's salvation, God's goodness. They have joy even in the midst of their prison. They begin to sing out about how God is faithful and about his goodness. And as they begin to do that, not focus in on their situation, all of a sudden something takes place. There's an earthquake. The doors of the prison are open. The shackles fall off. And Paul and Silas walk out of there unhurt along with everyone else. See, that's joy. Even in the midst of what I'm going through, God, I'm trusting you. God, I'm praising you in every situation because, Lord, I know you have my best interests in mind. Everything is going to be all right, God. You're in control. See, it's that choice to allow God's spirit to bring praise in our life so that joy is there. The next one, peace. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God, if I will fix my mind on you, Lord, then that peace will be there. The Spirit of God will produce peace in my life. Peace is living your life without worry or fear because you know God is in control of your life or circumstances. It's that trust. I can sit here and worry, God, what about my finances, God? What about my job? What am I going to do in my future, God? Who am I going to marry? All of these things can consume me. Or I can say, God, my mind is fixed on you, Lord. God, my thoughts are fixed on you, Lord. I'm going to focus my thoughts on you, on your goodness, on your faithfulness, Lord, on who you are. I'm going to trust you in every circumstance in my life. And that trust, that belief that God is working on our behalf brings peace inside of us. This word, as I begin to study it in, in the biblical sense, it conveys this idea to be complete or sound or to live well. Church, you can't live well if you're stressing all the time. You can't live well if you're worrying about your business or, or your workplace or any of that. You can't live well if there's fear in your life about your marriage or about your family or any of those things. No, peace comes when my trust is in God. Not my ability to fix the situation, but that God is in control and that he's taking control of whatever's going to happen to me. I think about in the book of Daniel, these three Hebrew children that there was a giant idol, they're in captivity, they're in this other nation, they're around other people, and the king says, you're going to worship this giant statue made of gold. And as everyone else begins to bow down, these three Hebrew men, they stand there, and they said, king, we're not going to worship that. 
We're only going to worship our God. And he says, I'm going to throw you in the fire. I'm going to kill you. Your life is going to be ended if you don't do this. And they said, oh, king, our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. We're going to trust in him. There's a peace in our life for whatever happens. See, it's that kind of confidence. God, I have a peace in my situation because I know you're in control no matter what the outcome is. God, no matter what happens, there's a peace in my life. Self-control. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this. A man without self-control is a broken or is like a city broken into left without walls. You don't have self-control in your life. Sin, addictions, anything can sneak in and take over and gain control and power over you. See, self-control is this. It's this right here. Self-control is the process of saying no to your wants and desires so you can say yes to God's plan for your life. I'm saying no to things in my life. I'm saying no to things that may be toxic to me like we just talked about that are going to stop God's spirit from producing fruit in my life. I'm saying no to those things. I have self-control because I don't want anything to master me. I want God's plan for my life. I want his purpose for me. I think about Joseph in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, this young man that was sold into slavery by his brothers. And he's in this foreign country. He's around people who don't have his values, who don't live like him, who don't worship his God. And he's placed in slavery and he's placed over this household. And this leader of this household, he's been given basically control of the whole household. He's only second in command to this one guy. And this guy's wife comes and tries to seduce Joseph. Joseph, come sleep with me. No one's ever going to know. Who's going to find out? He's in a different country. And Joseph says, no. It would dishonor my God. It would dishonor Potiphar, the leader of this household. It would dishonor you. I'm going to practice self-control. And he runs. Because of that, his situation gets worse. But that opportunity, that chance to say no, and Joseph practicing self-control eventually takes over God's plan in his life. He becomes second in command to the entire empire of Egypt. Why? Because he chose self-control. God, I'm going to honor you. Even when no one else sees it, I'm going to practice saying no to my desires, to my wants, because you have something better for me, God. You have my best interest in mind. Church, God's spirit wants to produce that fruit in your life. He wants to work in you. He wants to remove and cut out those toxins, those things, those people around you, those people of negativity, those people that are saying things. He wants to remove them from your life so that his fruit can be produced inside of you. And every day you're being made more like Christ. Your spouse begins to know it. Hey, you're more like Jesus. It's because the spirit of God is working inside of you. Students in your classroom, people notice, hey, you change. It's because God's spirit every day you're saying, God, fill me up. Fill me up in the classroom, in the cafeteria. God, let me look more like you. God, produce your fruit in my life. God, put me in the right places, the right circumstance, the right environment so that you can be produced inside of me. God, I want your fruit in my life. We're going to close in prayer together this morning. And as I lead us in prayer, I want you to just have a conversation right where you're sitting at with God. I want you to ask him, God, are there any toxic things in my life? Is there anything that I'm watching or listening to or people around me, God? Is there anything that I am doing, God, that's killing the fruit of your spirit in my life? And if so, reveal those things to me. God, help me cut those things out from my life. And God, this week, begin to produce your fruit inside of me.
And so we're going to pray this together, church. You're going to pray right where you're at. I'm going to lead us, and we are going to believe that we're going to be a church that God's Spirit is producing fruit in. And that that change, that change in us makes a difference in your workplace, in your family, with people around you. That His fruit will bring about change in others. Church, let's pray together this morning. God, we come before you. Thank you for giving us your spirit, Lord. We realize that this morning it's not something that we can force or that we work for, God. It's simply your gift to us. And this morning I pray, God, that you would speak to us. God, convict our hearts if there's anything in our life that is stopping your work. If there's anything that we're doing, anything that we're placing inside of us that is killing your fruit in our life, God, help us to cut those things away from us. God, we want to receive your spirit inside of us. And this week, God, produce those things. Let love be found in our workplace. God, let there be joy, God, in our place of business. God, let there be peace wherever we go. God, your fruits inside of us, God, changing and transforming those around us. God, we surrender our life to you. Holy Spirit, work inside of us every single day. Fill us up and produce your fruits in our life. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.